that is exactly what happens in the henna artist to Lakshmi. She changes her circumstances and becomes somebody else entirely, reinvents herself. And that is what Malik has done in The Secret Keeper. What I found really interesting was to explore how the same people who used to know him as a kid now treat him differently. How differently do they treat him? What is their reaction to him? I found that really interesting to explore in The Secret Keeper. Sylvia and me. Hi. I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hi, I'm Alka Joshi, and I wrote The Henna Artist as well as The Secret Keeper of Jaipur, which just premiered this summer. Uh, we are so lucky in that we are both a New York Times bestseller and also um, a Reese Witherspoon book club pick for the henna artist. And now we're getting all kinds of acclaim for The Secret Keeper. And I couldn't be more delighted to be here with you today. And we are on Sylvia and me. Thank you so much for having me again, Sylvia. Oh, Alka, thank you for, for joining me again. Um, and when we say again, you were one of my first guests on the podcast back in May of 2020. Um, and, now, and now you have done 100 interviews? I, I've done over 100 interviews, actually. Wow. <laughs> you were number 28. Wow, amazing. That is a huge accomplishment. And also, I love the fact that you are featuring all these very, I, I think, accomplished women. Uh, and I think we need more of you in this world, Sylvia. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, that's great. I, thank you for saying that. And you mentioned about the New York Times bestselling and Reese Witherspoon. So we'll go a little bit further. Uh, and we have to mention that The Henna Artist was your first novel back in 2020. So we mentioned the New York Times bestseller, Reese Witherspoon, LA Times bestseller, USA Today bestseller, Toronto Star bestseller, Globe and Mail bestseller, indie bookstore uh, bestseller, Publishers Weekly bestseller, long listed first novel center for fiction, Amazon summer 2020 readers pick, I could go on, but one of the <laughs> one of the one of the greatest things is that the henna artist is now in production with Miramax as a TV project starring Frida, Frida Pinto, Pinto, who starred in Slumdog Millionaire. So let me think. And that was your your first novel. Phew. Um, <laughs> I I just want to talk about where you came from as far as the first novel goes and why you did it, because that first novel, The Henna Artist, um, was your, uh, what you thought your mom's life would have been. Uh, you are from India at the age of nine. I know your family moved to the United States. Can you just give a brief overview of The Henna Artist and why you wrote that? Yeah, I wanted to reimagine a life for my mother that was so different from how she had been raised in a very conventional Indian household, very conservative parents. She was arranged in a marriage to my father, who also had grown up in a very conventional household. And the two of them immediately started off their life with three children. <laughs> and so in four years, they had these three kids. My mother was constantly having to deal with a kid in diapers. In addition to that, my father was 
one of the first civil engineers who was helping rebuild India. And so I put a lot of that in the henna artist in the year 1955, because that's when my father had first graduated with his uh, degree. And then he was working for the state of Rajasthan, building roads and dams and bridges. Now, my dad was in such a demand that, that he was constantly being put on one project after another, after another. So my mother, in addition to raising us, was constantly moving us house from city to city to city. And by the time I was nine years old, we had moved to five different cities. I am I really at this point in my life, this is the first time I've ever stayed in one place for a really long time. <laughs> and I'm still so, looking forward I, to that. <laughs> right. And so Sylvia, what I was trying to do is um, uh, trying to understand, wow, how did this woman who was raised so conventionally and led such a traditional life, how did she raise me so differently? Because with me, she always said, you know, you will choose your own partner, you will choose your own career, you will choose uh, whether or not you want to have children and how many you want to have and when. You should make all of those decisions just the way that she felt every woman should be allowed to make that decision. And of course, the subtext of that was she didn't get to make those decisions. So I wanted... Yeah. And I just wanted to honor her by saying, okay, mom, here, I'm going to create this fictional life for you with Lakshmi, who actually deserts her marriage and goes out and uh, forges a new life for herself. So this is you, mom. And she got a kick out of that. You know, she said, well, that's really interesting, but you made me this henna artist and I would never (laughs) have been allowed to become a henna artist. We are of a different cast and henna artists uh, are usually the work of a a, a very, uh, another cast. And so I just sort of like said, well, mom, I'm an artist now. I'm an author. So I get to take creative license here and I am going to make Lakshmi whatever it is I want her to be. (laughs) And that's great. And, you know, the the thing when I first heard about your book and then read it, it happened to coincide with the same time that Unorthodox, which was a true story, came out. And that was a true story of a very religious Hasidic Jewish woman who left um, her to be arranged marriage. So the timing was such where you actually took something and envisioned what your mother's life might have been, because as you just said, she brought you up as if she hadn't been in an arranged marriage, as if, you know, women weren't really suppressed and, and, and their role was uh, bringing up uh, the children and the house and so on. Mm-hmm. You, you've since gone on to a sequel, The Secret Keeper of Japur, and yeah, right back there. So Why did you feel that there was a sequel? What are you looking to accomplish uh, with this? So it took me 10 years to realize the henna artist as the book that you see in your hands. And during those 10 years, you know, I was working uh, to also pay bills. I was working on this novel off and on. I would take time off to do other things or travel or get really busy with uh, a paying project and so on. And so during those 10 years, I got to know these characters really well. They are embedded in my mind. I don't think they will ever leave me. In fact, on my deathbed, I think I'll probably be talking to them instead of my real family. (laughs) And so what happened is that they really talk to me. They let me know what they want. They let me know what they want to do and what they want to say. They actually now, strange as it sounds, 
sort of write the stories for me. And so when I finished The Henna Artist and it went off to the printer, I was starting a brand new project. It was about another uh, uh, female uh, who had been very popular in the 1920s in India. She was a Hungarian Indian painter. And I had started this project. I was doing the research for it. And then Malik just said to me, I really need you to write my story. I have a story. You need to write my story. And I thought, oh, come on, you know, and I ignored him for a while. But then I thought, okay, let me just set this project aside and start working on this other one. And uh, when I started working on it, it came so easily. And I wrote the first 20 pages, first 30 pages, uh, you know, in this first scene that I that it was in my imagination. And uh, my agent said, you know what, let's send this off to the printer, I mean, the publisher. And so she sent it off and they bought it right away. Now, this was in 2019, even before the henna artist had been uh, published. Oh. And so they had already bought The Secret Keeper. Now I owed them another novel. And so I thought, all right. So I called my dad and I said, dad, I'm coming down to see you. And I am going to just hold up and see if I can get this story out, uh, you know, of my imagination. So he said, sure. And I had all of these scenes that were building up and building up and I just really needed to get them down on paper. And when I go visit my dad in LA, get this, he, he cooks all of the Indian food for me. <laughs> Uh, he's a really good cook and he puts it all away in the refrigerator. So by the time I get there, there are all these meals all ready for me to go. He has a, an extra bedroom. So I just stay in there. Dad makes me tea in the morning. I mean, the whole, it's like, and, it's and, like, <laughs> it's wonderful. And it's the fun, the funny thing is that's not what men were supposed to do back in India. So right. you rewrote your mom's story and here your dad is making you food and making sure you're comfortable and so on <laughs> and so forth. So there yeah. in itself is, is a story. It's like the yeah. continuation of what would have happened um, had there not been an arranged marriage. Now you exactly. mentioned Malik. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about Malik? Malik was an eight-year-old helper of Lakshmi in The Henna Artist. He's a street child. He's very savvy. Uh, he's resourceful. And he knows that Lakshmi is sort of his ticket out of um, the, the poverty that he experiences as a street child. Um, in The Henna Artist, I had written all this backstory about Malik. It was about how he came to live in the slums of the Pink City. How did he, um, you know, who took care of him? How did he feed himself? And also when uh, Lakshmi asked him to come with her to Shimla, why he actually was able to leave without having any family say, hey, where are you going? And so I had written all of this stuff but it didn't make it into the final version of the book. So I had all of this backstory. I have it for Radha as well. I have all this future story of uh, um, uh, Malik that I had written in The Henna Artist that also got cut out of the epilogue. So when I was telling his story in The Secret Keeper, I got to put all of that back in. I inserted the backstory. I inserted the future story. I knew exactly what was going to happen to him as a 20-year-old. So now as a 20-year-old, he has the ability to uh, pass himself off as somebody who is far uh, from far better circumstances than he really is. He has gone to an exclusive boarding school in Shimla, courtesy of Samir Singh from the henna artist whom Lakshmi was involved with. Uh, and uh, in The Secret Keeper of Jaipur, 20-year-old Malik is sent 
for an apprenticeship down at the Jaipur Palace from Shimla. Uh, and he is working again with the Maharanis and the Singhs and all of these people that he used to know in Jaipur. But he is almost unrecognizable because he looks very polished now. He, um, he speaks in a much more elegant way and he has an air about him of no longer a street child, but somebody who belongs. Well, you see, again, now you're taking somebody out of uh, a life that they were going to live and you changed how just certain circumstances could make such a difference in someone's life. Uh, yeah, I didn't even think about that, Sylvia. But yeah, you're absolutely right, because that is exactly what happens in the henna artist to Lakshmi. She changes her circumstances and becomes somebody else entirely, reinvents herself. And that is what Malik has done in The Secret Keeper. What I found really interesting was to explore how the same people who used to know him as a kid now treat him differently. How differently do they treat him? What is their reaction to him? I found that really interesting to explore in The Secret Keeper. Well, that's also something that happens in real life. You know, uh, it goes two ways. Either somebody comes becomes very successful and the people that they knew treat them differently, or they become, you know, they, they, they lose their jobs or they become, you know, uh, desperate or, or, you know, things change in their life and people treat them differently. It's kind of like getting divorced, people treat you differently. Being widowed, people treat you differently. There's just so many different life events where the people who you thought you knew when your circumstances change, treat yeah. you uh, differently, not always in a bad way, but there's something, there's something there that, that is in people's minds. It's the perception of how they're supposed to look at you. Um, and, which, and, isn't, and isn't that interesting because you haven't changed from the inside. No. You, you're, just your external circumstances have changed and yet people will look at you so very differently. What is that all about? That is what I'm interested in exploring. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's key to so much. Um, you know, the, the henna artist took you 10 years. Uh, you were not a writer before. You were in, in marketing. It was not your full-time job. You wrote on the side. You wrote here. You wrote there. Um, within a year, you had the secret keeper of Jaipur out. Uh, how has writing, first of all, when did you realize that you were a writer? And I don't mean you're sitting down and you're writing little things and you're saying, oh, gee, you know, if only this had happened. When did it hit you that you are actually not just a writer, but an author? So when I got the contract for the henna artist, uh, and that was in 2018, when I got that contract and I signed my name to it, I thought, I'm an author. Wow. Uh, now I can call myself an author. Until that period, I could not call myself an author or a writer with any kind of conviction in my own mind. And then suddenly, I'm an author now. Now, when uh, the henna artist was about to be published, my publisher, HarperCollins, they flew me out to Toronto. They flew me out to New York, and they had me meet the staff, and they had me meet with some booksellers. 
And I thought, wow, this is so amazing that they treat their authors so well. We are on the 42nd floor of this major building in Toronto that they're in. The, you know, the views are gorgeous of the water that's nearby. I, I don't know what the water is called, but, um, you know, there's like all of these people around. They do a champagne toast. They have a cake made up in the um, in the cover of the henna artist. And uh, and then they they do a little Q&A with me and they've got me doing videos for Facebook and they've got me doing videos for this and that for their sales team and everything. And I just thought, wow, this is really amazing. And then I learned, I didn't even know, it didn't even hit me until uh, that moment. I learned that what they said to me was, we are expecting the henna artist to be a really big book. Now, this is way before Reese Witherspoon has picked it up. And they said, we are putting a lot of energy and a lot of time behind this because we believe in this book. This is going to be a great book for book clubs and for everybody around the world. Until that moment, I didn't know if the henna artist was just another book that was being published or if it was going to be a really big book. And then I was like, wow, this might be a really big book. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So you now are an author. In fact, I know that The Secret Keeper um, is the second in what you call a tri trilogy. How has life changed for you in, in being an author? Are you an author full time now? Um, tell me how yes. life has changed. So in 2019, I finally hung up my shingle because I thought I am so busy with the promotion of the henna artist. There's all these interviews and podcasts and book clubs. And one of the first things that I did was I, you know, talked to my social media uh, following and I just said, hey, you guys, you know, we're all on lockdown. Please contact me if you want me to do a book club with you because you're at home. I'm at home. I have nowhere to go either. And uh, so to date now I have done 458 book clubs. Uh, virtually around the world. That's that has been one of the most fun experiences ever, Sylvia. Um, I think that it's actually far more intimate than a large gathering at a bookstore or at a conference or something where I get to talk and then I don't really get to chat with people. But in these intimate settings of book clubs that are like eight to 10 to 12 people, I am actually having the opportunity to talk to them, uh, to see where they live, uh, to talk, to see the, the cat or the dog who, who runs across the computer uh, and, you know, their children come and interrupt them. I just feel like I'm getting to know them on a whole different level. And one really cool thing that's happened is I feel like I finally found my tribe. My whole life, I've been looking for my tribe. Where is my tribe? And it is these readers who love to read about cultures from around the world. Uh, they like to immerse themselves in another culture. They are very curious people. They have often traveled a lot. And so they have either been to India or some part of South Asia, or they've been to other parts of the world that remind them of what's happening in the henna artist and the secret keeper. So uh, that's been one of the most rewarding things about this last year. How has my life changed otherwise? Well, Absolutely no difference at all. I'm still sitting <laughs> in my dining room <laughs> talking to people. I don't, you know, I'm, I, my husband and I intend to live in this house until we die, basically. You know, this is our forever house. So it's not like I'm changing houses. I'm not buying a pied-à-terre in Paris. <laughs> That's not happening. Although 
Although I had planned to go to Paris and I still might in this fall because book number three that I'm writing, which I know you're going to ask me about is taking place partly in Paris. And that is the story of Radha, the 13 year old sister in the henna artist now grown into a 30 year old woman living in Paris with her husband, her Parisian husband. And uh, she has two little girls. She has the family she has always wanted to have. And uh, she became a chemist because she was really good at mixing henna paste for Lakshmi. And she was really good at mixing paints for the old man in the village. And now uh, she's just really good at mixing fragrances. She has a chemistry degree from the Sorbonne and uh, she got to work in the fragrance industry. It's taken her about 10 or 12 years, which is about how long it takes to work your way up to working for a master perfumer. That's what she's doing now. And she is on the cusp of designing a signature scent when somebody from the henna artist whom she has not seen in 18 years shows up at her door and wants to know about his birth mother. (laughs) Well, there you go. A little bit of a mystery. Again, what you're doing, and as you just mentioned, um, you found your tribe. You have been able to reach people who are maybe they didn't even know they were interested in learning about other cultures, but the story itself is so grabbing that they do. And that's one of the things that is so needed, especially in these times, is that people need to learn about other cultures because what you don't know, you can't understand, you can't accept, you could be frightened of, you could you could have so many negative um, uh, thoughts about it because you're naive about it because you haven't, you haven't been taught, you haven't associated, and you're opening up a whole world for so many people. Uh, so lockdown, the pandemic, evidently it opened up some really great doors for you. I know it yeah. opened up for me as awful as it's been you know, we always try to find some good out of something and look at all the people that it has allowed us to meet. And you allowed people who couldn't meet uh, in person for book clubs to be able to continue their love of reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, out of every bad that happens, some good also arises. And I think we always have to keep that in mind. As tragic as things are, like the death of my mother shortly after I had finished uh, my thesis for my master's, which was the, the henna artist, I thought, well, that's it. That's the end of that book. It's never going to uh, go anywhere after this. But um, then, you know, I realized, I thought that my mother's death was going to be some kind of finality, like I would never see her again, but I have her spirit inside me all the time. And I really feel like she's always watching out for me. And I feel that what happened during the pandemic with this book becoming such a huge bestseller has to do with my mother being around me all the time. I just think that spirit is there. So um, I think out of every bad comes good. Um, And the pandemic did allow me to talk to a lot more people inside their homes virtually than I ever would have. It also allows me to write, 
right? Because I can't go anywhere. I can't, I really can't go, you know, I, I couldn't do anything. And so it's a great time to write. It's a great time to be out in nature, to go for walks and uh, to go for bike rides and things like that. And those are the moments uh, when I'm physically moving that I'm actually thinking about my scenes and moving the characters in my scenes as well. It's been a great, great year. Yes, I can see that it has. Um, and as you said, from from so much um, upheaval, there's there's something good that has come out. And from the people that I talk to, the connections that have been made is really the most common thread that everyone has from this, you know, from this past year and a half. Yeah. And, and we don't know what's happening still. Yeah. And Sylvia, you know, what's happening is um, I get, I get uh, emails or letters from readers every single day, right? Tons and tons of them. And there are so many things that they're telling me that are taking uh, my novels into places I had not expected. For example, a lot of women write to me and say, okay, Lakshmi changed her life, even though she was in these very straightened circumstances, this very limited box that she was in. And you, uh, at the age of 62, published something and became a full-time author. I mean, you obviously changed your circumstances as well. So maybe I can do it too. There are so many women who are finding inspiration uh, through the henna artist or even just through my 10-year journey to get it published. So that has been a really exciting thing. Another thing that a lot of young South Asians are telling me, whether they live in India or whether they live in other parts of the world, because as you know, South Asians distribute themselves throughout the global diaspora. They live in almost every country uh, of the world. So what they're telling me is, I'm reading The Henna Artist and learning about uh, my parents' birth country that I didn't even know. I've never read it in a textbook. I've never read about the history of India's independence and how uh, India had to rebuild itself and how exuberant uh, the, the people were about uh, all of the changes that they were allowed to ma uh, make happen after colonization was over. Uh, and so they're gaining this pride in their heritage that they hadn't had before. And that's exactly what happened to me when I was researching both of these books. I have so much more pride in my birth country now, knowing more about the history, knowing more about the people and the resilience of these people uh, that I am happy to pass that along. I didn't even realize that this might be a happy outcome of my novels and I'm just delighted. There's also a lot of people who um, outside of the South Asian communities who are reading these books around the world who have also never heard about the history of India. Because, you know, as we all know, history is written by the victors. And, in, and for India, the victors were always the other. It was either the British or it was the Portuguese or it was the Mughals. And they wrote the histories based on what their perceptions were, not based on what the people living in the country were actually thinking and feeling. So I feel like I'm contributing a little bit to the real history of that area. That's fantastic. And you are. And see, that's the thing. You know, we set, we set certain goals and we sit down and we think, oh, it's just this way and, you know, nothing else is going to come out. So we I want people to read my book. Um, I got great pleasure out of out of writing it. 
but it's those ancillary um, uh, benefits and joys that we wind up getting when we didn't even expect it. It wasn't something so, so it's, it's wonderful, absolutely wonderful. What would you say to young people? At, no, I'm sorry, I take that back. What would you say to any woman who, no matter what age, thinks they have a story? They may, they may not, but maybe they do. What would you say to them? I would say your time has come. I would say this is the best time for women. And let's capture this moment right now, okay? This is the best time for women to tell their stories. Right now, we've got their attention. We've got the attention of the world. We've got a lot of Me Too stories. We've got the sexual harassment stories. We've got the stories of women who are doing incredible things in life and uh, entering politics in a way they never have before. So let's capture our stories and let's put them out into the world. Uh, everybody is hungry for our stories and wants those uh, to to uh, be disseminated to everyone, but let's do it before the window closes again. Because as we know, as women, we take two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. Somebody out there always wants to hem us in. Somebody out there always wants to make sure that we do not get to realize our full potential. And I think it's because they're scared. They're scared of how much, how powerful we are, how much we can accomplish when left to our own devices. So make use of this time right now. If you do want to write, one of my best pieces of, pieces of advice is to, is to enroll in some kind of a writing workshop. Make sure that you enroll in a workshop with uh, someone who has written before, written more recently, written so that they have access to publishers and the whole network of agents so that when you are ready with your work and you're ready to go out into the world, you have contacts. You have contacts that are gonna make a difference and you have the best teachers available because the people who have recently published are going to be able to tell whether your work is publishable or not. So um, I think that, you know, there is only good uh, fortune waiting for you on the other side of your life. Great words. <laughs> Absolutely wonderful. So Sylvia, are, what? Uh, Sylvia let, let me ask you a question. Sure, go now, ahead. Don't, don't you also hear from people who say, Sylvia, how can I do what you're doing? I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're talking uh, to these women who are accomplishing things. Uh, how can I do what you're doing? Like, what, what is your advice to women? Go for it. Go for it. Um, I, you know, I always told the story of my mother who at the age from 20 to 28 had five children. I only almost said eight, no, five children. Um, she was a housewife always wanted to go to college. When she was growing up, she couldn't afford it. At the age of 42, when we were all in school full time, she went to college and within eight years, she had her PhD from Columbia. Wow. So um, I got that from my- Wow. From my mom. That remarkable, remarkable. I cannot believe that she raised five children and she must've had most of them in diapers, you know, all Oh my oh, God. Years I was and years. And, and my youngest was my baby brother was born. And that kind of has always res, you know, resonated with me that it's never too late. It's never too anything. 
I started, you know, doing, well, I started doing the podcasts in my late 60s. So it's absolutely never too late um, to, to do something new, do something different and take the chance. You know, also I have to tell you, there was an exercise that I learned mm, maybe about 25 years ago. And I think it's a great exercise whenever you're thinking about doing something different, but you don't have the courage to do it. All right. So you sit back in a chair and you close your eyes and you imagine yourself at 95. And you are thinking back on your life and you're thinking back over all of the things that you wish you had done or that you have done. And you're thinking, oh, you know, I wish I'd done this, this, this and the other. And then uh, you're in that for about five minutes and then you come out of it. You open up your eyes and then you go, how old am I now? And then you think, (laughs) "Okay, I'm only 63 or I'm only 72 or I'm only 59. And then you say, So I still got all that time left to accomplish what I want to accomplish because you guys, we keep getting older every day. It's not like, it's not like your time is over. You still have another day and another day and another day after that. So keep going with what you want to do in your life. Where can people find out more about you? I know you have a website. Can you tell us what the website is? alkajoshi.com. It's so easy. It's just my name. And I'm so lucky that I am one of those South Asians that has a really easy name. You know, it's just nine letters. (laughs) It's not like it goes on forever. Um, And then also, you know, what's really uh, fabulous is that I have such a great uh, publishing team behind me. So you can find my books everywhere. You can find them at IndieBound.com at your local bookstore. You can find out where where that might be. You can find them on Amazon. You can find me the audiobooks on Libro FM. Oh, and The Secret Keeper, by the way, we we are making the uh, bestseller list for USA Today, for Globe and Mail, and for Publishers Weekly so far. Okay. So you've done nothing. Alka, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, I can't wait for the, the third of the trilogy to come out. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. It's been such a great pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. Join me next week when I talk to another extraordinary, inspiring woman. This has been a Life of Prey production.